In our eighth session on Philippians 3, 18 to 21, we focus on verse 21. When we have this Savior, the Lord Jesus, from heaven, he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Father, what does it mean that our body for now is lowly, but there is coming a day when our body will be glorious like yours, like your son's? What does that mean? How should it affect our lives? Would you teach us these awesome things? Cause us to feel the wonder, the soberness of having a lowly body and the hope of having a glorious body. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For many of whom I have often told you now tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction their God is their belly, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what will he do? What does Paul focus on? He will be a Savior, surely from this destruction, but he will be a Savior in that he will transform, change the very form of our bodies, which right now he calls lowly, despicable, despised, prone to cancer, hunger, all kinds of sinful temptations, to be like his glorious body. And he will do it by the power, what kind of power, that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And I think one of the most important things to notice here is that Paul, in verse 21, makes crystal clear that when he scorned these people here in verse 20, in 19, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, body, physical appetites. They glory in the kinds of behaviors they do with their body because their body has become their God, and now they are worshiping at the altar of this God in the form of bodily behaviors that are governed by the appetites of the belly. In all of that, you might conclude, well, Paul is really a, a stoic, and he, he hates the body. He, he'd like to get rid of the body as soon as he can and break away into heaven where there's just spiritual freedom and he doesn't have to be worried with his body anymore. That's not true. Because of all the things he might have said that Christ is going to do when he comes to establish his kingdom, think of it. All the glorious, magnificent, global, universal, cosmic things he might have said. What he says is he's going to transform our bodies. This belly here is going to get a makeover. He's going to transform our lowly body into the image 
and likeness of his own resurrection body of glory, a spiritual body that could eat fish and yet pass through walls. We don't know the glory of this body. So let me, let me show you a few other texts that underline Paul's affirmation of the body, even though he has such negative things to say about making a God out of our bodies. That's the problem. Here's 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful for me. Not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both the one and the other. In other words, they're going to rot in the grave. Everybody knows that. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And then here's the most amazing statement of all. And the Lord is for the body. Whoa. Everybody expects this statement. The body is not to be devoted to sexual immorality. The body is to be devoted to the Lord, but very few people expect this statement. The Lord is devoted to the body. The Lord is for the body. God created the body, and he doesn't expect the body to be thrown into the trash heap of the universe. God raised the Lord, and he will raise us up by his power. So same thing. Even though the body threatens to be dominating and take us in control in this life, we must resist that for the sake of a new body that's coming. What does it mean to say we have a lowly body? A lowly body. Here's some examples. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. So these are Christians, Spirit-filled Christians, grown What do we groan over? We groan as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. This is why we groan. People that say Christians should be above groaning, just don't read this carefully. For what what, whatever healing is possible in this world, and God is often pleased to heal our diseases, the ordinary course is death. Suffering, groaning, and death. That's ordinary. Look, look at this. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-17. We do not lose heart. No, we don't. Though our outer self, that's the body, our outer self is wasting away. That's normal. There's no escaping it. I don't care how much you believe in a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. This happens to everybody. Most people who believe in healing don't specialize in healing ministries in nursing homes. They ignore that. That's where real, normal, painful wasting away is most visible. Our inner self is being renewed even though we're wasting away because this light momentary affliction of ordinary wasting away is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Oh, indeed, there's going to be a glorious new body. This glorious body that we're going to have is going to be a body like Jesus' glorious body, which probably means that this lowly body is like the body that he had. 
which reminds us of Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Have this mind in yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men with a body and being found in human form with a body. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death in a body, even death on a horrible body-ripping cross. This is, this is the lowly body in its paradigm. And we're called to be conformed to his death, share in his death, according to chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. But what about the glorious body? 1 Corinthians 15, 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. So dying is like sowing seed in the ground which is one reason I believe in burial rather than cremation. But that's another issue. You can read an article about that at Desire of God. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. That's coming. It is sown in dishonor. Have you seen people die? Have you been to hospitals? Have you been on the battlefield? Have you seen pictures of the Holocaust? What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Power, glory, imperishable. That's what Paul means when he says we're going to have a body like his glorious body. Or hear this great, beautiful statement in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet sounds at the second coming. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable body, this lowly body, must put on the imperishable this mortal body must put on the immortal t- immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, when the mortal puts on immortality, then will come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. So one last verse on the body like his glorious body. The Son of Man, Jesus says, the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. But there's another destiny for the children of God. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I guess it starts here. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. That's glory. The glory like his glorious body. Now next time, I want to ask, all right, why did Paul say, by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself? What does he have in mind here? Why did he stress this over-the-top power? God can 
and does subject everything to Christ. And that's why we don't have to worry that no matter how horribly lowly, diseased, broken, quartered, and torn our bodies are, that he can't render them glorious someday.